Do you think that being vulnerable can strengthen sustainability? Most of us have learned that showing vulnerability is a weakness. If you want to be a true professional, you put on your picture-perfect mask. You work long hours and you definitely do not show insecurities or weaknesses. But did you know that the most inspiring leaders actually do show their vulnerability? It is what makes them human and it helps them to connect with fellow human beings. You can learn more about the strength of vulnerability in my talk with Diana Sande. She will share real-life examples of how vulnerability has helped her as Director of Procurement at Eneco to make big sustainable changes happening at the company. Under her leadership, Eneco became one of the frontrunners in sustainable energy supply of the Netherlands. And Diana is a researcher and a teacher at Nairobi Business University. She's also a consultant and a sustainable CFO. We have met each other at an event that focused on sustainable reporting last October. I was moderating the event and she was one of the keynote speakers. She spoke about the role of procurement and how they can play a huge role in supporting organizations to adopt circular economies. Enjoy the show! When we are watching the news or reading the newspapers, we can really become depressed because we are facing an existential crisis of climate change and biodiversity loss. But we can do something to slow down these effects and to turn the tides. In this podcast, we will learn from fellow change makers, people who are changing the world, who are pioneering and brave to make things happen. Welcome, Diana. Welcome to the show. It's so good to see you again. Could you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, Nienke, for inviting me. Um, yes, I'm uh, Diana Sande. I'm a researcher and a teacher at Nairobi Business University. I'm a consultant, so I uh, help organizations in their development towards uh, sustainability and a circular economy. Um, and besides that, I'm also a sustainable CFO, so I'm a, I, I have a background uh, as a financial uh, uh, and as a procurement officer. Wow, very impressive. So how did you become uh, involved in sustainability? What yeah, excellent. Yeah, that started in my in my years uh, when I worked at Eneco, uh, a utilities company in the Netherlands, being a front runner in the energy transition, uh, and uh, started uh, at a uh, in a in a small hallway where the, all the sustainable projects uh, were combined, uh, and from there developed uh, together with Eneco in that sustainability. Learned a lot, also being a front runner and how difficult that can be, um, but it uh, it made my uh, uh, yeah, hard to tick uh, for, for sustainability. I want to know more about it. So can you tell us about how ticking your heart? What, what was it? What kind of elements yeah, made you tick? Yeah, I, I noticed how difficult it was to um, combine the financial challenges, mm -hmm. uh, having a, a, a profitable sustainability project um, by then uh, combined with subsidies uh, and supporting from support from the government. Um, but it, it still was difficult to get all the people involved who had to decide on uh, by then challenging and risky uh, new sustainability projects uh, on renewable energy for, for them most, uh, most of the time, uh, but also finding new ways of, uh, of 
creating that renewable energy uh, with new technologies. And not all technologies were successful. So um, yeah, that's that's a challenge. Um, also, when you want to make it profitable in the end, um, and and that's that's the challenge I think also for for companies developing towards a circular economy. Now we see also very successful uh, projects in in uh, energy transition, but but yeah, it also takes uh, a lot of leadership to get there. And what kind of leadership does it take? Yeah, leadership in a strong belief in making a better world, and and that's really um, um, well great to be part of that uh, in, in a company like Eneco by then, but also now in my research activities and teaching activities involved in, in all kinds of uh, projects, uh, helping organizations, it's always about uh, sharing that belief in making a better world and, and uh, taking that res responsibility, which is necessary um, to look beyond uh, our current uh, way of working uh, and belief in, in um, what's, what's needed to make a better world. And how did you do that in, at Eneco? Do you have an example to, to illustrate how that worked? Yeah, well, in my last few years uh, at Eneco, I was a procurement director uh, and um, uh, yeah, talking a lot with suppliers about how to create new sustainable business models and what we should do as, as a client of that suppliers and what we can do to support them as a supplier uh, to, to create those more sustainable solutions. Um, and I learned that that um, equality is very important and uh, in, in finding ways to co-create together. Uh, and that, that was a different um, yeah, way of positioning for the procurement department. Um, a more traditional way of, of looking at procurement. Uh, well, it's, it's the powerful organization and suppliers have to uh, well, uh, respond to, to their well, requests. Um, and I think that's not the way forward to really co-create and find new ways of working together. Um, so it, it asked um, a different view on what's, what's needed uh, to, to build that future together. And, and what kind of product did you co-create then? As you were the client in that sense and your supplier. Do you have any example of what it is that you made? Like physically, what was yeah. done with it that co-creation? Yeah, for, for example, um, we as a utilities company pr uh, produced a lot of uh, uh, energy and uh, finding ways uh, uh, also to bring it to electric vehicles, um, also in the very early stages of, uh, of that market. Uh, and together with our uh, leasing uh, co company, so we also had a lot of operational lease cars, um, we, we talked about how we can bring those uh, charging points for, for electric vehicles towards the markets together. So our energy uh, and uh, their clients um, uh, combining those new fields of, of expertise and market development. Um, so I talked to our uh, uh, sales department, which was actually very weird uh, by then uh, talking. Oh, with, what was weird? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, uh, I, I went beyond my role as a procurement director, kind of as a development uh, uh, manager internally. Um, and people think in, in uh, buckets and, and in, in uh, 
uh, silos. Um, so it was really going beyond those silos and um, yeah, uh, finding ways uh, of, of new ways of working together beyond uh, the buckets and the silos. So you were kind of, you were the change leader at that moment internally in the organization. Yeah, internally, and and I couldn't have done it alone. So it took also other leaders in other departments uh, to build that uh, uh, that collaboration uh, on these new projects uh, together. So it it can start by by one person, but you cannot uh, finalize it alone. Okay, and that, and how did you do that then? Because you were this one person initiating it. How did you? kind of persuade or, or or invite people to come in and to join? What was their magic trick? Yeah, I think talking the same language as the sales department. So um, uh, finding ways where, where uh, their work was all about. Um, and that's how you make a combination. So, well, um, imagine what's relevant for them uh, and, and talking, well, kind of the same language uh, to find that connection. We had uh, a while ago, we were together at a, at a large event where we were also discussing the role of procurement and that was related to uh, to, to reporting, scope three reporting. Um, is there anything that you would like to mention uh, like to procurement on this topic where you say like, hey, procurement has, what kind of role does procurement have in this world according to you and how can they uplift that? To make the world yeah. Better. yeah, actually, I was in a meeting a few days ago and, and people said to me uh, again, and I hear that a, a lot, um, we have to, to, to really uh, find new ways uh, to, to establish sustainability. Uh, we have to go beyond procurement. <laughs> so let's pass them or, or let's avoid them. Um, and I think they, they should be involved because they can have an immense uh, important role in connecting uh, the market to your company. Um, but they're uh, traditionally uh, process oriented uh, and compliance oriented, especially in government based organizations having EU regulations uh, to comply to um, uh, in those procurement processes. Um, but even in those site regulations we we have a lot of opportunities to create also more sustainable solutions and innovate together with the market um, but it also takes time um, to co-create and development uh, develop together and it takes uh, yeah it, it also requires an open view um, on an understanding on what sustainability is and could bring to a company so if you have two scenarios, so on the one hand, you have the people in your, your meeting who say like, oh, we should pass a procurement, we should go uh, without them because they're just the compliance and annoying and, and that, that side. And on the other hand, you have the, the procurement people themselves. What would you advise both parties to do? Yeah, to first understand what's um, necessary for uh, uh, the future organization um, and not too far in the future because we see already a lot of signals uh, markets uh, and government asking for, for more sustainable solutions already um, so what's necessary from your department from your expertise um, so we first need to create some knowledge together but also on your own expertise 
Um, and then finding new connections within the organization to better connect uh, towards market or market parties, so suppliers and clients, um, to create that, that sustainable network, which is necessary to, to find new ways of doing business and closing uh, supply chain loops. And so uh, closed loops for material flows, for example. So I would advise them to, to know more, to to create that, that knowledge base internally uh, for your own position and, uh, and for your colleagues and then connect and, and have an open view on what's necessary. Be, yeah, be willing to, uh, to innovate and to not know it at, at first uh, and to learn uh, on your way. Yeah, it really resembles, or it, it also think, I think about the example of Heineke, who had a dream to become a climate neutral brewery. And they basically, they shared this dream with a bigger audience and other people actually tapped in. And I think that's very powerful because they also merged with their suppliers and possibly also the procurement people and and, and from all angles of, of their suppliers' uh, uh, processes. Because I think if you have a, a shared vision of where you want to go, then the boundaries of your, your role also becomes uh, less clear. Like it's more about the capabilities and the knowledge and the know-how and your creativity that becomes important. It doesn't really matter in which part of the organizations you are. It's more about a collective creation. And I think that's the power of co-creation that it goes beyond your own limited interests and capabilities, but you grow towards something bigger. How does that resonate with you? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and what, what first comes to mind is that it also takes a culture um, uh, which uh, supports those kind of uh, new visions and innovations. <clears throat> because when you um, have a closed organization where every or, uh, part of the, every department simply does its own uh, work and task, very task oriented, then it, it, well, it's difficult to reach that that future vision going beyond your current uh, work and and stretch your current boundaries. So how did you do that at Agneco? Because initially you said, hey, this was also my limit, at least in the perception of other people's and probably your own at that moment as well. Like, hey, this is the boundary of what's supposed to be my role and my responsibility. I'm going beyond that now. What is what? What? what how do? How do you go there? How do you change this kind of culture? Yeah, um, yeah. It was difficult for Eneco because while they originally were a governmental oriented organization, uh, opening up the market in the beginning of two thousand two or three, mm -hmm. um, and from there building a more commercial oriented company, and from a commercial towards a sustainability, so being a front runner. So that was a line of kind of a leap uh, uh, for for that company. So they um, uh, they deliberately did a, a cultural um, project, a, a project where we redefined our culture. 
um, in uh, showing leadership, um, telling, well, I can contribute uh, at another way, at another meeting more than I can do here and simply leave a meeting. Um, so that was kind of a hurdle because a lot of people simply sat at a meeting and uh, waiting uh, it to end. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was really about contributing the best in your ability um, uh, within that company and beyond already beyond those uh, those boundaries of simply your job description. Uh, so they, they did a, a cultural project. And I think, in my opinion, it's very it helped to open up the discussion uh, and look uh, forward to, to the culture which is needed to create that front runners position. Did they have any help on that? Were the people who actually helped the company to get there? Because it's quite difficult for a company if you're all yeah, there were already in transition from the governmental party to 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 more of a uh, public and then uh, over private and then uh, sustainability. So how did they were they able to do that on their own? I think that's yeah. That's no, no, we we were yeah we were supported by a company actually an American company uh, which was called Breakthrough mm -hmm. and Breakthrough was was yeah very uh, skilled in uh, taking along companies in their new cultural position uh, and um, at the start of that project um, with the top I think a hundred or hundred twenty um, many senior management. Um, we went to a hotel and uh, for three days we all did cultural things uh, and uh, told everyone else about our own intentions to be a better person, uh, having a better work-life balance or uh, whatever intention, maybe even uh, do more sports or being more available for your family, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really about the person. And um Connecting to yourself and your own interests uh, helps to connect also to a joint interest to build a better future. Um, so it's it's really about connecting people is all, first connecting to your uh, own values and, and what's important for you. And, and I think a question comes into yeah. mind as the senior leaders, you have this privilege of actually going to this hotel for three days and having this uh, uh, this, this culture program. What about the rest of the employees? Did they also receive these three days or not? Well, we did a, uh, the cultural program for all employees. Uh, so after those three days, we had working groups working on separate projects to build further on this kind of knowledge. Um, but also did, uh, well, I think maybe one or two day uh, courses. It's it's uh, a while ago. I didn't record exactly. Um, but a, a few hundred to a few thousands of people uh, went through that cultural process. Uh, so that helped to build that same knowledge, uh, language, yeah, the base and vocabulary, the, yeah. the same knowledge and the same terminology and, and everybody. So were the leadership, were they then kind of the role models? Yeah, but not only. So um, everyone was invited to take its own role. It, it really opened up being a person at work uh, all day, the same person, work-life balance was mentioned a lot uh, as a, an important intention uh, after those three days by, by senior management. Uh, so it helped to, well, be able to share your, um, well, maybe concerns uh, on the future or, and, and it opened up a, a vulnerability uh, between people. 
Uh, and I, yeah, I found it very valuable in building that culture together um, and also go beyond those, uh, those job descriptions uh, and finding new ways to. to what was your problem. own biggest insight then? What kind of vulnerability did you show at that time? Yeah, um, not knowing too much about procurement was one of them. <laughs> Being new in the field. Well, um, you were the procurement officer, right? Yeah, I was procurement director, having a very skilled team. Okay. Um, but a new way of looking at it helped also to go beyond the, the process-oriented uh, approach. Uh, and my uh, most important task was to build sustainable procurement. Uh, so I was not hindered by the old way of looking at procurement, but focusing on a new way of building that sustainable organization. Um, so maybe it also helped me uh, a bit uh, in not having too much of history uh, and how the procurement uh, function was uh, was uh, positioned uh, before that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one. Uh, and uh, opening up well, what I didn't know while asking for help, because that's, that's okay. always well, a challenge for me as well, um, uh, asking for help. And, um, and that also gives a connection to people because a lot of people want uh, to help you uh, and, and make them feel better as well. So that was a challenge for me. That, was, that, that felt quite uncomfortable to ask for help. Yeah, yeah, it, it depends on the situation, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it most of the time felt uncomfortable because in a senior management position, you're often um, all considered to to be the expert or, or to know what to do. Um, but I I don't know everything, of course. Um, so then then you need others to help, and and uh, a lot of skilled people also within my team and beyond um, were able to help and and create. How was that perceived? A, a how was it perceived by the outside world that you were saying like, hey, I'm the procurement director, but I don't know everything and I have my team who's actually supporting me. So um, how, how did people perceive that? People around you, so not per se your own yeah. team. I think the, um, the openness and, and um, being authentic in not knowing it um, also opens up the other person on the other side of the table uh, and creates a different conversation um, by being vulnerable yourself uh, and and yeah opens up a discussion about what they don't know uh, or moments in in their lives when they well had doubts on what to do or uh, how they found their their solutions in that situation and so what it's was the most surprising in that what surprised um, you most or what struck you when you were having these kind of conversations yeah, actually, may maybe that that's even the most difficult people. So people who well weren't maybe my uh, kind of people um, opened up um, uh, because of this vulnerability. So it created um, a conversation beyond the content, beyond. Uh, processes or positions within the organizations it was about people and I think when we talk about well our, our uh, better future and and creating a more sustainable future it is all about connecting people uh, and connecting um, um, maybe people who don't know and people who already know a little bit more um, being vulnerable because we people create that new society as well as we created the old one uh, ourselves um, uh, in in uh, history. So I think it really helps to connect, to not know everything, and to share that to to have a different kind of conversation.
Nice. So how do you view your current role in this world? You're at this moment, you have uh, submitted your PhD at Nairode. Uh, you're, you have a lot of executive positions and different positions. So how, what is your next step? What is your ambition? Where do you go for? Yeah, I, um, I really want to help organizations um, accelerate their sustainability journey. Um, and together with a partner, uh, uh, we create a new company um, supporting that. So creating a larger network and being able to, to accelerate more than only uh, my uh, person as a consultant, creating more impact together. Also, they're connecting with others and other expertise is important. So I have more uh, knowledge on the inside of organizations, on, on measuring impact, on uh, how to develop an organization towards sustainability. And my partner knows a lot of, uh, about communication externally and positioning the organization. Um, and that's where I see a lot of mismatching nowadays. On the one hand, greenwashing, not yeah. always uh, with the intention to greenwash, um, and it makes you vulnerable to, to share what's your ambition and what does and doesn't work nowadays. Um, so it can also hold people back on to share what uh, what they already did. Um, so helping organization connecting the inside uh, with the outside. So what sharing what they already did. Um, uh, that's how we want to accelerate companies, take them by the hand. Um, what kind of and, companies uh, are those? Big companies, large corporates, or are those the smaller ones, the small SMEs? What what kind of companies are you helping? Yeah, larger SMEs. So um, uh, I think the corporates already have a lot of resources in place to uh, well to to find their sustainability journey uh, uh, way ahead. Also reporting since a couple of years already a lot of uh, on their uh, achievements uh, in that area. But also um, so the smaller companies well being challenged nowadays is more and more also in, in by corporates, um, but also by new regulations more and more. Um, yeah, they're, they're searching their way into how to make that impact, where to start um, and uh, what, yeah, what, what was successful for others and how can we learn from that to accelerate our own journey. And what kind of, do you have three tips for those kind of companies at this moment already uh, to help them on this sustainability journey? Do you have three tips for them? Yeah, so um, uh, first, what's your dream? So how can you uh, position your organization when it's 2030? So g think beyond the current limits um, and from there start small. So what's helping? What gives comfort? What is the low-hanging fruit? How can we find our way to, to, to build that knowledge base and, and build our confidence in uh, in creating that that way forward um, and start measuring as soon as you can uh, so how more you measure how more you can also uh, show your achievements make them objective um, and also learn from what's not working uh, so you can change your um, yeah your way forward and, and uh, create a new path okay and if people would like to learn more about you, what is the best way to reach out? Yeah, they can always reach out by LinkedIn. Uh, so I, I share a lot on the, the things I see uh, and I learn in all kinds of publications uh, from both the, the academic uh, field and, uh, uh, and practical field. 
Um, so I think that's uh, that's the easiest way. Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Your, your LinkedIn to the show notes. And yeah. what is your hope for the future? Yeah, I really hope we can accelerate uh, in sustainability because uh, as I know more of it, learning a lot in my research in the past, uh, past couple of uh, years, I know how challenging it is to do things differently, but I also see how necessary it is uh, uh, to, to create that new way of working uh, and find each other, go beyond those boundaries uh, and, and take action. Not only writing about it, thinking about it, but doing in practice, then you learn the most. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. For more information on Diana Sunday, I have added a link to the show notes. If you feel this was interesting to you, then please review this podcast by giving it a five-star rating and share it with your network so even more people can become inspired. By following this podcast, you can stay tuned for more inspiring episodes.